You are listening to an Elam Church Christchurch podcast. We hope that you are encouraged and inspired by the message you are about to hear. And if you're ever in Christchurch, why don't you pop in and say hello? We'd love to connect. Well, it's now my privilege to invite up Nolene to come and speak. And just by way of um, recommending her to you, we had a guest speaker. She probably doesn't know this, but we had a guest speaker about a year ago um, who prayed with Nolene. And the guest speaker said, sometimes you just around people and you know that they pray a lot. They carry the presence with them just because they pray a lot. So now I'm just going to recommend Nolene to you as somebody who prays a lot. And so that means you should listen to her. Awesome, is that good? <laughs> that means there was a lot of prayer. <laughs> Not in me so much as around me, which was really wonderful. I had some wonderful people praying. But, um, oh, thank you, Pete. <laughs> um, yeah, good morning, everybody. And for those online, good morning to you as well. No prizes for guessing what we're still doing. It's week three of James, Faith That Works. So I'm just going to open in prayer and we'll bring it under his, his control. Father, we just want to thank you this morning that we have the privilege to come and to just be with you. Lord, you're an open door for us to enter into. And we ask that this day would be glorifying to Jesus. This is not about anything I say or do. This is about Jesus. And Holy Spirit, you're welcome to minister in freedom to your people this morning. Lord, anything that I say that is not of you, just let it fall. But anything, Father, you want to emphasize or build upon, this floor is open. So to you belongs all praise and honor and glory. In Jesus' name, amen. James, well, we're on week three on James. It's a, not a very big letter, but it carries a lot of impact. James actually begins by describing himself as a bondservant of Jesus Christ. I don't know whether you've read that more often or just hopped over it when you read it and not really got onto its impact. Because it occurs a lot in the New Testament. And the word was very significant to the Jews and it's also very significant to us. There was a difference between an ordinary slave and a bondservant. The ruling on slaves in the Old Testament comes straight after the Ten Commandments found in Genesis 20. A purchased slave could only remain a slave for six years. And on the seventh year, he had to be released and he had to go well provided for. If that slave loved his master and his family, he could refuse and not be released. He was then taken to a doorpost, and an oar was put through his ear, and he became a bondservant, and he remained faithful in loving service for the rest of his life. A permanent scarring marked his status. Jesus carries permanent scars of a servant, Pierce nails on wood. Mark 10, 1045 uh, 10, says, For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. 
and Philippians 2.7. But made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. After his resurrection, he still bears the scars of his servanthood. These are wounds of love so deep that they remain forever. Have we become so familiar with the cross that we could rush over this moment and forget the suffering, the cost of being a servant heart of love that he bore just for us? For forgiveness, healing, and restoration with God are found at the cross. This is very early in the service, but I just want to give an opportunity to you that if you have never chosen this love, this forgiveness, do so now. Don't wait. It's the most important decision of your life. Bring your heart and your life to Jesus. Come as you are and allow Jesus to transform you into the person that you were meant to be. This altar part of the, the service, this area, it's open at any stage. It's a safe place. And we have people that will come and who will pray with you. If you're online and you're just sensing that that tug that the Holy Spirit does when he's wanting to draw you to Jesus. Don't let go of it. Either contact us through the church or contact somebody that will just walk alongside you and mentor you and encourage you. I don't want to rush this moment. I just want to give the Holy Spirit a chance to touch lives right now because this is the stepping stone, the, the place between Life and death, quite frankly. It's the one that steps you into a kingdom that is eternal. Just come. If you feel the call of God, don't stand back. Just come. As we move on, just continue to listen because it's not about me or what I say. It is all about Jesus. James has come with some very familiar quotable quotes. For the wrath or the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Be doers of the word and not hearers only. Mercy triumphs over judgment. My cousin, uh, her son, actually made a painting with this scrawled into it. Looks quite cool on her wall. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. There's a little bit before that what one should probably read. It says, submit to God because it's my daddy's bigger than your daddy scenario. <laughs> and um, it's, it's good to have that on our side before we start resisting anything. It's just, just draw close to God. Faith without works is dead. And so out of that list, joy of joys, we're going to talk about faith without works is dead. James was written to Jewish believers. 
There are 12 tribes that he talks about scattered abroad, and those are the ones he's writing to. This letter is different from those sent to non-Jews or Gentiles in Acts 15. When a dispute arose over whether Gentiles had to keep the law of Moses, and it was deemed that they did not need to, as long as the basic requirements of keeping free from the sacrifice of idols, from blood, from things strangled, and from sexual immorality. James did not expect the Gentiles to understand the Jewish teachings. But with his letter to the Jews, he does. As he writes, he appears to draw on the style of the wisdom literature, moving through snappy and crisp subtopics, and also the teachings of Jesus, particularly the Sermon of the Mount in Matthew 5-7. to It's a punchy little book and hops around in a similar aid to Proverbs, going from one subject to the next, very direct and to the point. Though it's wrapped in love your neighbour as yourself, it leaves no room for compromise. And so it is when we come to faith without works as dead. So from James 2, 14 to 20. What does it profit, my brethren, if someone says he has faith and does not have works? Can faith save you? If a brother or sister is naked and desolate of daily food, and one of you says to him, depart in peace, be warmed and filled, but does not give him the things that are needed for the body, what does it profit? Thus also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe there is one God, you do well. Even the demons believe and tremble. But do you know, O foolish man, but do you want to know, O foolish man, that faith without works is dead? James goes on to speak of the example of Abraham, who is willing to act on his faith and be prepared to offer up his one and only God-promised miracle child as a sacrifice to the Lord. And Rahab, who protected the Hebrew spies who came to spy at the city of Jericho. But he ends his section again by stating, For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. Very hard-hitting. He doesn't mess around when he speaks as our James. Many of us will have heroes of Christianity whose lives and legacies have inspired and challenged us. One of my favourites is George Mueller. He ran orphanages starting in the late 19th century. Prayer was his foundation stone as he never asked for financial support. But he funded, but the funds and provisions arrived in response to prayer, providing many homes in a high standard for the children, both of dress and of education. One story is told of his crossing the Atlantic in August 1877, when his ship ran into thick fog. He explained to the captain, Joseph E. Dutton, that he needed to be in Quebec by the following afternoon. The captain's response said he was slowing the ship for safety. And Mueller 
asked if the chart room was free so he could pray for the fog to lift. The captain followed him, claiming it would be a waste of time. After Muller had prayed a very simple prayer, the captain started to pray. Muller stopped him, partly because of his unbelief, but mainly because he believed his prayer had already been answered. Mueller said, Captain, I have known my Lord for 50 years, and there has not been one incident that I have failed to have an audience with the king. Get up, Captain, and you will see that the fog is gone. When the two men went back to the bridge, they found the fog had lifted. Mueller made his appointment, and shortly after that, the captain became a Christian. <laughs> so what do you think about amazing people like Hudson Taylor, who was a missionary to China. Reinhard Bonnke, who started the mission that took, every, you know, took Africa by storm. Christ for all nations, as it is now. Mother Teresa in India. And so many more. Do we see works only in large results? Jesus said Matthew, in Matthew 17, 20, if you have faith, as a mustard seed, very, very tiny mustard seed. You can move this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. So what sort of faith and works qualify under James's teaching? Faith has two words to support it, trust and a great deal of courage. <laughs> Everything begins small, baby steps. The father delights to see his children testing the waters of trust and faith. Every tiny step, every tiny step is highly valued in the kingdom. I was very new to the things of the Holy Spirit when I joined a Bible study prayer group across the road from where I lived. This was up in Auckland. It was the home of an amazing Baptist couple. <laughs> the group was led by a born-again Christadelphian. I was part of an Anglican fellowship, and they were largely Baptist. So it's amazing what God can put into a Christian melting pot. It was one of those nights when I felt a prompting, more like a heart pounding, unable to ignore message, that the Holy Spirit wanted me to bring a message in tongues. Now, if you're not familiar with tongues, it is given with the gift of the Holy Spirit as a prayer language, but it can also be used as a prophetic word to bring a message um, it has to be interpreted. <laughs> first time, this was my first time ever, mind you. I was brand new to all of this. So you trust that when you do that, somebody will also have that interpretation. So you're stepping out with the message, trusting that someone's going to respond. But you do not have any assurance that it's going to happen. So I took what little courage that I had, and I spoke the message, and we waited for the interpretation. Nothing happened. I was feeling very, very vulnerable by this stage of the game. Then God, who is forever gracious, indicated that he'd also given me the interpretation. So I bought that as well. I firmly believe that somebody had it, but again, it takes a little bit of courage to step over fear. The prophecy was affirmed by those present and blessed the evening. But that night has a very special memory as well. When God prompted me to speak, it was like, this is an opportunity, and he made it very obvious this wanted to happen. But afterwards, afterwards, there was an afterglow, a sense of his presence that was different. 
a warm sense of approval that they said, well done. You know, you stepped over your courage and your fears and, and you brought this to pass. And it was a real sense of remembrance that I keep from that moment. Having faith in the small things is what causes us to see God's faithfulness. It causes us to come closer to him. causes us to trust him more. His power in us needs to flow out from us. So what is your small place? Is it praying out loud in a prayer meeting for the very first time? Is it sharing your love for Jesus with a friend, a family member, or even a complete stranger? Maybe you get a picture sometimes or a scripture or a word of encouragement and you've been a little reluctant to share it. Just being able to share it steps you over that fear, steps you into that place of faith. Or just being a loving support for someone in need. All of these are faith steps. All of these are steps of encouragement for somebody else. All of these are releasing the Holy Spirit to flow through you. Zechariah 4.10 says, Do not despise these small beginnings, for the Lord rejoices to see the work begin. So what happens if we take a chance and maybe pray for someone who is sick and nothing appears to change? Do we take the apparent failure on ourselves? Do we use such terms as not enough faith or even receive those words from others? Do we give up? No. <laughs> not ever. Not ever, not ever, not ever. Push in deeper. The enemy too will seek to discourage us. But our God is faithful. And his word is truth. He fights for us. We will not see our tentative step of faith produces, but it will produce his fruit in our lives and in the lives of others. He's for us, not against us. He's wanting us to know that he wants us to have victory. He wants us to be encouraged in this way. You know, he will do move heaven and earth to see his children come into that place of fullness. It is God, the Holy Spirit, who is working in you to bring that change about. Faith is affirmed by actions. We may not always get it right, but the Lord will see the intent of the heart to please him, and he will encourage us to go on. It's when we need to lead into the words trust and courage. In the Hebrew Bible, uh, the English translation of it, they actually use the word trust rather than they use faith quite often because it puts the onus back in Jesus' court, not our own. He doesn't want to lay responsibility to us for not having enough faith. He wants us to learn to trust him and to, and to reach out and to receive from him what he, we need for the situation. And sometimes it's just a simple little prayer that says, Lord, help. <laughs> and, and he wants to. He just wants to come. He, he sees the people you're with. He sees the people you're ministering to. And he wants to reach out through us like a river and flow out to touch them. And believe me, sometimes you can feel it at your worst, and he will still do that, <laughs> you know, because he just loves people that much, and he so desires for us to be willing to be used for him. Just takes a little bit of courage, just takes a little bit of faith to see mountains move, 
to see life changed in other people, to see people come into the kingdom that, that we have enjoyed such blessing from. Just a little bit of faith sometimes. But oh boy, the results of that. Yeah, like that wonderful glow I experienced uh, in my first step out in faith over tongues. It's just God saying, well done. How wonderful it is that you've joined me in this kingdom walk. We only get one opportunity, and that's in this life frame, to experience faith. Once we step through the veil that separates us from heaven, or whatever place God has planned for us, um, once we step through that place and into his presence, faith no longer exists. Faith is our gift to him. It's our offering to him. Because once we step through that veil, once we step into his very presence, faith is no longer needed. It's a trust in him. He said to Thomas many, many, many years ago that, you know, blessed are they that haven't seen, haven't seen me, haven't seen and touched my hands, but still believe. Blessed are they. And blessed are you when you step out in courage to trust the Lord, even though the circumstances might seem really difficult at times, or you know it's going to be costly, or you know it's going to be painful. But, oh, the Lord just loves to see his children step out in faith. Faith does work. All we're doing really largely is trying to walk into obedience. The scriptures are full of bits and pieces that we can, can lean into to trust and to believe that God's word is powerful. And he's just trusting us, trusting, we're just trusting him that he will bring the outcome that he desires and not our desires, but his desires. It does take courage to get out of the boat, to walk on the water. When Peter did that so many years ago and has had all sorts of flack ever since, um, he was still the only one that got out of the boat. He was still the only one experienced walking on water. And though the winds and the waves took his eyes off Jesus, he was still the only one that did it. Baby steps in his hands becomes miracles of salvation, of healing, and restoration. Works are our demonstration of our trust in Jesus. Faith cannot become visible unless we say we believe as evidenced by how we act and we do. It's the visualization of faith. Faith, we can say we believe in Jesus. Yes, we do, and that's wonderful. But the action of our faith is trusting him and seeing miracles. If you never prayed for that person, if you never spoken to that person's life, if you never encouraged that soul, maybe that one step less step into the kingdom. But just because you were there made a huge difference to them. Our actions are born out of knowing Jesus, being empowered by his word and his spirit. It's about an ever-growing relationship of trust in the one who has, out of his profound love, shed his blood for us. The Holy Spirit's presence assures us that we can come freely. As we continue to step out in faith and put into action what he calls us to do, victory and breakthrough will come. Don't let discouragement or failure prevent that from happening. He ultimately wants to bring us through to victory and breakthrough. We will experience the amazing joy 
of seeing God's transformation and his life flowing through us. His word declares that he who has called you is faithful, and he will do it. He is faithful. He will do it. Just in this time, I just want to let the Holy Spirit minister. His presence is here. As he's wanting to touch lives. I sensed even as I was putting this together, there's been hurt. There's been hurt uh, whether intended or not over the whole subject of faith. And the measure that we place over ourselves, I sense this expectation that we place over ourselves as to how we should measure up, how we should be before the Lord. He simply says, come as you are. He says, come as you are. Let me do the work in you that will change your life. So Holy Spirit, would you come right now? Would you minister to your people? Would you pour out afresh upon them? Would you bring the joy that is your strength, Lord God? Would you break off, Father, this morning all expectation or doubt and all fear, Father, that would keep your people back from, from following you in power and in strength, Lord God? You have called us as your people for such a time as this. You've called us to stand in the high road and not the low road. You've called us to be the head and not the tail. You've called us to take hold of the things that the enemy would steal and make them victorious for Jesus. You've called each one of us into the unique place of our calling. We are not alike. We are not made in the same mold. We're not made in the same place. But you've called us to be in that place with you. And every space that you have made for each one of us is precious in your sight. Mm. just sense his, his presence is flowing at the moment very strongly over people's lives and just let him touch you right now you my people are precious precious to me precious to me did I not die to bring you close to me did I not give my life that you would know me deeper come my children into that new place that I have for you this is a time of joy my children this is a time when you're stepping into a new thing into a new understanding. You're stepping into a place where I've called you to be with me in a new way. You cannot see the past nor the future, my children, through clear eyes. It is only cloudy and misty, but my eyes will bring clarity. My eyes will give you insight into a realm you have not walked before. I want to bring you close under my heart. I want to speak tenderly and, and gently to you. I want to give you the courage you need, the boldness you need to walk this journey. You were called to raise up many, many in my name, my children. This place will become a place of haven for my people. I will bring them to you and you will minister to them. Take the steps of courage, children, and walk with me. Thank you for listening to this Elam Church Christchurch podcast. For more information about our church, you can visit www.elamchristchurch.org or connect at one of our services every Sunday at 10am.